Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokettes And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Tuesday, June 7th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world My goodness, welcome back Glad to have you here. We're having all sorts of fun here at the Russ Belleville Show. We're live from Hotsdale, Arizona, where it's, once again, triple digits, 100 and, I don't know, six, seven. I don't know what it is out there. It's just damn hot. I'm inside trying to keep this internet connection stable uh, right before we were to go on live. Just literally 258, the uh, internet hiccuped on me. So uh, I hope we can keep that steady for you because we got a great show coming up for you today. Uh, real quick, though, I uh, put out a graphic today. I hope you saw it on my at Radical Russ feeds, either on Twitter or Facebook. But uh, I've been doing some number crunching of the numbers on the legalization polls, because we had that Quinnipiac poll that came out with 54% nationwide support for marijuana legalization. And I pointed out yesterday how we've had 10 legalization polls in a row now, 10 in a row that have showed majority support for marijuana legalization. And we have to go back three years or more to be able to find a poll that is against marijuana legalization. Well, I looked a little further back and I found out the date that Project Sam was formed, you know, that's Kevin Sabet's anti-marijuana legalization group. He and uh, former Representative Patrick Kennedy founded Project Sam, Smart Approaches to Marijuana, or as I like to call it, Project Samuel, Smart Approaches to Marijuana Use Except Legalization. And of course, SMART stands for Stoners Must All Receive Treatment. Anyway, they were founded on January 10th of 2013. So I looked up every single poll. On marijuana legalization since January 10th of 2013, it turns out there's one, one Fox News poll that showed plurality opposition to legalization. Not even a majority. It was 49% against 46% for. I also found one tie and I found three plurality uh, support for legalization polls. And I found 18 polls with majority support for legalization. So Kevin Sabet. The quarterback of the anti-legalization movement in his three seasons as quarterback, his record is 1-21-1. and one. Do you think if any NFL team had a quarterback that was 1-21-1 and one after three seasons that that quarterback would still have a job? I don't think so. Yet another way marijuana legalization differs from just about every other industry out there. All right. Also coming up on our show today, let's get to uh, what we've got in the agenda today. After our cannabis radio news headlines, we're going to uh, take a look at behind the headlines. And in behind the headlines today, we've got some very uh, interesting information to bring you on the case out of Colorado, that wrongful death case. Uh, where the guy ate some edibles and shot his wife. We've got some analysis of this from some of the uh, leading attorneys. We're going to take a look at that behind the headlines to see if this case has any legs. 
But also coming up on the show, the main point of today's show is to give you a look more uh, audio from the Aspen Normal Legal Seminar. We've got Jordan Person uh, telling you all about the Denver Normal Social Use Initiative. That's coming up in the activist agenda. Then for Government at Work, you're going to hear former U.S. Attorney Barry Grissom deliver an impassioned personal story as to why he says that this uh, war on marijuana is obscene. And then in the Radical Rant, we'll have time for my latest uh, entitled Marijuana, the Worst Drug Ever. And because the internet went out yesterday before you got to hear it, I'm going to play it again tonight. The entire presentation from Dr. Carl Hart coming up in hour two. Thanks for joining us. We're back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Hello and welcome all you high-flying, die-trying, roll a Philly blunt for your friend, hempsters, every roach-smoking, bong-token, however you get your THC can enthusiasts, all you rebels, individualistic originals, and outside-the-box ganja warriors, you chunky monkey, Cherry Garcia, munchy-loving hempsters, all you captive earth surfers, astral travelers, and ganja-loving canosaurs, all you high-flying, wide-smiling, ganja-rific cannabophiles, welcome to everyone except Donald Trump supporters, because that's how I really feel. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Coming soon to a city near you. Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, June 7th, 2016. Lansing, Michigan. 
Election officials in Michigan have determined that activists have not turned in enough recent signatures to qualify marijuana legalization for the ballot. Activists from MI Legalize collected more than 354,000 signatures without any national funding or support. Almost 72% of those signatures would have had to been valid to meet the petition requirements of 252,523 valid signatures. But this year, the legislature made the petition process more difficult by requiring a strict 180-day window in which to gather signatures. Officials with the Bureau of Elections said only 146,413 signatures were collected in the past six months. MI Legalize will file suit against the 180-day rule as unconstitutional, as well as pressing for modern computerized methods to validate older signatures. Other activists pressing an initiative to ban fracking are suing the state over the rule as well. Montpelier, Vermont, Democratic Governor Pete Shumlin has signed into law a bill expanding the medical conditions that can allow a Vermont patient to be prescribed marijuana for treatment of symptoms. Added to the list are patients with chronic pain, glaucoma, and those in hospice care. Marijuana had been allowed for severe pain, but not pain that was less severe but chronic. Critics of that situation complained that patients could more easily obtain prescription opiates for pain treatment than marijuana. In signing the bill, Shumlin said opiate addiction has become a severe problem in Vermont and around the country. He says if much less addictive marijuana can be used instead, that can address patients' pain without the threat of severe addiction. Denver, Colorado. Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper has signed a bill requiring schools to maintain a policy for students who need to use medical marijuana at school. The law does not allow for the smoking of marijuana. Hickenlooper signed a law in 2015 that allowed for school districts to voluntarily adopt such policies. None did, so the 2016 law now requires them to adopt a policy unless they can show they have lost federal funding over the marijuana issue or if the district opts out with a prominent explanation on their website. Under the law, no school officials will administer any marijuana product, which will not remain on school grounds. The student's primary caregiver must bring the marijuana product to the school, administer it to the student, then take the product away from the school. St. Paul, Minnesota. A survey of patients enrolled in Minnesota's medical marijuana program shows the majority report significant benefits of participating. About half of the 435 patients that got a survey responded. Those with cancer reported the highest benefits of the program. Others surveyed have severe muscle spasms or seizures. About 66% of patients responding to the Minnesota Department of Health survey reported significant benefits. Another 24% reported mild to moderate benefits. One-fifth of the patients reported side effects such as feeling lightheaded, paranoid, or sleepy. The state says about 1,300 people have been approved for the program since it launched last year. Jerusalem, Israel. A new study of over 20,000 patients receiving medical marijuana in Israel show the program to be a success. Professor Pesach Schwartzman of Ben-Gurion University, leader of the study, concluded that most marijuana patients enjoy significant improvement in pain and function. Users of medical marijuana cited almost unanimously that they turned to the herb after conventional medications did not work for them, with over half citing unpleasant side effects from pharmaceuticals as their reason for seeking medical marijuana. Three out of four patients smoked marijuana, with the remainder using cannabis oils or vaporization. More than three-quarters felt side effects from marijuana, most commonly dry mouth and hunger. Red eyes, fatigue, and sleepiness were cited by one-quarter to one-third of those suffering side effects. Most patients said their pain, nausea, anxiety, appetite, and general feeling had improved. Brussels, Belgium. 
On average, 24.8% of all Europeans between ages 15 and 64 have used cannabis at least once, according to the latest European drug report, making it the most commonly used illicit drug in Europe. By country, France, Denmark, and Italy have the highest prevalence of use. The annual report was was published May 31st by the European Monitoring Center for Drugs and Drug Addiction. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, June 7th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we want to take another look at that wrongful death lawsuit that's taking place in Colorado. The case involves Richard Kirk, who shot and killed his wife, Christine Kirk. At the time of the shooting, he was allegedly hallucinating and talking about the end of the world, supposedly gone psychotic. His wife, uh, Christine, called 911, and the 911 operator was able to hear the shots being fired and to hear what was going on as their three kids witnessed their father uh, killing their mother. Now those three kids have filed suit, a wrongful death suit, against the candy maker, which is called Gaia's Garden LLC, 
and the dispensary, which is called Nutritional Elements, Inc., and that's where this candy is like a Tootsie Roll uh, candy that he got. Uh, so the kids allege that the candy maker and the dispensary, quote, failed to warn that edibles could lead to paranoia, psychosis and hallucinations and negligently, recklessly and purposefully, purposefully concealed vital dosage and labeling information from their actual and prospective purchasers to make a profit. So not only did we not warn you that it would make you crazy, but we purposefully hid that information so that we could make money. That's that's what they're uh, they're alleging here. Now, Kirk is charged with first first degree murder, and he initially pleaded guilty to first degree murder, but then changed his plea to not guilty by reason of insanity with the insanity being that the pot made him crazy. Now, in first blush, when you think about this lawsuit, you got to think, you know, kind of a desperate defense. The old, uh, I was insane when I shot her defense. And this could lead some, leave some uh, uh, very disturbing decisions in its wake. So let's take a look at what you have to have. For this case, uh, this is uh, the above the law blog, Hillary Bricken writing. She's a Seattle area cannabis attorney. And this is what she says you have to have to make this case stick, this uh, negligence case, this uh, uh, wrongful death case. You have to have a death. Well, we got that. <laughs> so we know that the, we do have a death, a causation that must be both actual and proximate so we, we have to prove that not only does eating the marijuana candy lead to the hallucination, psychosis, and paranoia. We have to prove there's a causation. Didn't just so happen that he eats this candy and he's already psycho on his own. We have to prove the candy made him psycho. And that it was proximate. That there was nothing else between him eating the candy and going psycho that led to being the psycho is the direct cause, in other words. Then we have to show the survival of family members who are suffering monetary injury as a result of the death. That's easy enough to do. The, the father's dead. He, there's no more income coming in to support those kids. And the mother's dead. I'm sorry. The mother's dead. The father's in prison. No more money coming in to support the kids. And the appointment of a personal representative for the decedent's estate. And Bricken writes that the biggest issue for the plaintiffs, the kids, will be the causation. They'll probably have to show some combination of the following. One, the labels and packaging on the edible failed to adequately warn of the side effects like psychosis. And you're going to have to prove that there is such a, a side effect, right? That such a side effect can be expected and then prove that it wasn't uh, adequately warned about. Two, the defendants knew or should have known that the allegedly inadequate labels would lead to Kirk killing his wife or knew or should have known not to sell the edible specifically to Kirk. And three, adequate warning labels would have prevented Kirk from killing his wife and or that not selling the edible to Kirk would have prevented Kirk from killing his wife. And right off the bat here, uh, Bricken says, I see the chances of prevailing in this lawsuit slim at best. Because, yeah, even if you know that like, like, like when the bartender serves you the alcohol and the alcohol makes you drunk and mad and then you go home and you kill your wife because you're drunk and mad at her. 
we're not going to hold the bartender responsible for getting you drunk. You got drunk and mad and you still, you still killed her. And that same sort of principle should apply here. This idea that there'd be any sort of uh, label that would have stopped him from killing his wife. Get real. Maybe I do. And maybe I do. <laughs> okay. Well, folks, that sound means that it's 20 after. That means 420 out there in Denver, Colorado, where this case is going down. Boy, I feel terrible for these kids, and I want to see them taken care of. But this wrongful death suit could lead to this guy being adjudicated as being crazy because of the weed, and then he gets off of the murder charge. From dabs to chibas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your cannabis business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Washington, it has passed. Uh, the, uh, the news organizations are calling it. Tell everybody in the red states how great legal weed is. It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Carson doesn't believe in the Geneva Convention. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Activism begins with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. 
Today in the Activist Agenda, we are taking a look at what's happening in Denver, Colorado, where a marijuana social use initiative had been started in 2015 and then pulled right before it was set to make the ballot. Uh, nothing happened after that, so Denver Normal has stepped into the void with a social use initiative. This is their executive director, Jordan Person. Really propelled me into a life of activism. Um, I met Kevin, the National Outreach Coordinator, in 2013, and he began bringing me to all of these normal events. And for the first time in my life, I was surrounded by very intelligent, educated, professional individuals that all smoked pot every day, just like me. And I was no longer a stoner or an outcast or a pothead. I was a professional that just happened to consume cannabis responsibly. And so... Then Denver Normal came about. I kept looking at the city of Denver and thinking, more can be done. Why aren't we doing more? What do we need in our city? And that is a place to socially consume. We currently have 200 dispensaries in the city of Denver and not one single place to legally consume cannabis. We are currently fining everyone that comes into our state um, upwards of $1,000 each trip. Some people are fined $500 for their hotel rooms, $250 for their rental cars. Um, public consumption citations are $250. And it's because people are smoking in parks, smoking in their hotel rooms, smoking in their rental cars, because where else would they go to smoke? Most people that are coming to Colorado don't have a private residence. And if they do have an Airbnb, most Airbnbs in Colorado actually say not 420 friendly because it has become such a problem in our city. And so the way I've been looking at it with the mayor's office lately is, you know, if, if we had 200 liquor stores in the city of Denver, but we had no bars, where would people consume alcohol? In their car, in their hotel, on the street corner, wherever they wanted, because they had no place to consume it. And so we started working um, in January on this initiative. We are calling it Responsible Use Denver because that's what we're encouraging, the responsible use of cannabis. Um, and in any form, not just the vaping form, but edible, smoking, whatever consumption you would like to do. We worked very hard for many months with Judd Golden. He is a member of the Colorado Normal Board. He's an attorney out of uh, Boulder. He's incredible. Um, I have copies of our language available upstairs, as well as you guys all have cards um, at your chair. ResponsibleUseDenver.com. You can read the full language there as well. Basically, what our language states um, is 21 and up for all facilities. It would be a private membership model. So each business will have the ability to decide what that membership model consists of. There's currently one disp or dispensary, one cannabis club or speakeasy, whatever we want to call it, um, that exists in Inglewood, Colorado, and their membership model is $10 a month and then $4.20 a day. And you can come and go as you please. Um, and they have a very strict no alcohol policy. They do not allow the mixing. If people come in and have consumed alcohol, they ask them to politely come back a different day where they haven't consumed. Um, we have given the mayor's office a tour of this facility. We have been incredibly transparent with the mayor and with the city attorney, as well as the city council, because we wanted everyone to be on board and to understand that we are trying to have the least amount of pushback from the least amount of industries possible. So 21 and up, private membership club, no distribution with remuneration on site. Everyone will have to bring your own cannabis. And what am I missing? Sorry. Uh, no prepared food, excuse me, only prepared food and 
beverages on site. There will be no um, liquor license or no food license will be able to apply for this. And that is to keep the amount of pushback from the alcohol industry, the insurance industry, and the Food and Beverage Commission. Um, there was a previous initiative attempt done a year ago, and that was the primary pushback they received. So we decided to leave all of that out and focus on what Denver doesn't have. We have tons of restaurants. We have tons of bars. What we don't have is a place to consume cannabis. And so that's the problem we're trying to solve. We also put a portion of our language in that would include a special event permit. Right now, um, I don't know if any of you heard on the news this past year, we lost the cannabis cup for the first time, and that was because of a permitting process, and it goes on and on. But we've created a permitting process now as part of our language that would allow events, 21 and up, private events that would be invitation only, again, no on-site sale or distribution, uh, facilities that have a liquor license or a food license would not be able to apply for this event permit, and there will be 24 event permits that they can apply for a year. Currently in the city of Denver, you can only apply for 15 special event permits that include alcohol, so we almost doubled that number by allowing 24. And so certain uh, business models that would be able to apply for this, any event, um, excuse me, any venue or uh, person can apply for this event permit um, with the Cannabis club model, you have to be a resident of Colorado for a year and pass a background check. Those are really the only two um, mandatory requirements that we put in there. Other than that, it opens the model up to a lot of different types of business models. Our end goal, of course, is to have the MED involved and allow that on-site distribution, but we're a solid two to three years away from that model. We have to first prove that we are responsible consumers. And so why am I talking to you all today? to ask you very kindly to donate to our campaign. We have so many expenses that are coming up. Our, we are currently gathering signatures. We're about a quarter of a way done. We have until August 15th to get all the signatures that we need to certify us for the ballot. And then once that happens, you know we have to get out the vote. We have roughly 600,000 residents in the city of Denver. We need roughly 150,000 of those people to vote for this initiative. We only need 5,000 signatures, but 150,000 votes. So please open your wallets and your pocketbooks and your hearts to Denver Normal and to this initiative. Um, you can see me to make a donation. Oh, I wanted to add this. Grassroots. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the company Grassroots. They've been making the normal hats for this organization for a number of years. Um, and the owner of this company actually had a cannabis club that was not regulated, and it was closed on 422 years ago, and they made a very public spectacle of him. Uh, he sold T-shirts and hats at the front of the shop, and at the back he had an area that was a break room. They called it the break room, and as people that worked downtown would have a break, they'd go in and take a dab or smoke a joint. It was a private business, and things were going great until the city found out about it and shut him down. So as soon as he found out about this uh, initiative that we're working on, he donated his time, designed our logo, created these hats for a fundraiser for us, and they've been incredibly involved in this entire process. So thanks to them. And thank you, Keith, for allowing me to speak. Thank you all. And I hope everybody... Yeah. So that's the Denver Normal Social Use Initiative. You can find more about that by going to denvernormal.org. Our thanks to Jordan Person and all the Denver Normal folks for taking this on after the uh, previous initiative had been unceremoniously dropped when it had collected enough signatures. And the polls showed it leading. The idea, of course, was to drop it and negotiate with the restaurant and 
city leaders, business leaders, for something they could all live with. And apparently what they could all live with was not having any pot lounges. You can only go so far in negotiations. Sometimes you got to push for it and get what you deserve. Right back with Barry Grissom after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. (laughs) CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs. Get the latest updates on the Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking the Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Reforming America's marijuana prohibition laws takes education, lobbying, and voting. From Washington, D.C. to your state capitol to your city hall, marijuana law reform involves all levels of civic life. Learn how you can make your impact with elected officials as we take a look at our government at work. Today in Government at Work, we get to hear from a man who turned out to be a superstar at the Aspen Normal Legal Seminar, the former U.S. attorney for the state of Kansas. His name is Barry Grissom. And he told us a lot about his background, being a skier, loving Breckenridge, having spent a lot of time in the Emerald Triangle. He's one of us, and now you'll know why. Now, I'm, I'm, my talk is supposed to about the, my observations as a former United States attorney concerning drug laws. As it relates to cannabis, what's the technical term? Sucks. It makes no sense. I mean, we're all on the same page. I'm preaching to the choir here, but every person who stood up here, whether you believe there has any medical qualities about it or not, the fact that we will deprive our fellow citizens of their liberty and warehouse them in cages because they are manufacturing or using cannabis is obscene. 
It is nothing short of an obscenity, and we as, we as a society should be embarrassed by that. Again, this morning we heard uh, about the number of people who are in prison. Well, you know, make America great again, right? Well, we're number one there, baby. We have more people in prison per capita than any other nation on the face of the earth. We're not that bad of people, as the lady said this morning. I love that. I mean, we're not that different from other folks. I will differ with her on one point. We are different than a lot of other folks, and that difference is everybody and his brother's got a gun. And I, I could talk for hours on that. Um, but as a United States attorney, I, was, I, I had the incredible, incredible privilege of holding that office during a time of what I think 20 years from now, when people look back at the Obama administration, when they look back at the time that Eric Holder sat in that seat and Loretta Lynch sat in that seat, they will say that this was truly a renaissance time, that the Department of Justice returned to its mission, which is justice, not meting out penalties and time. And uh, that's something I am, am incredibly proud uh, that I had that incredible honor to uh, serve this president and to serve those two of the finest Attorney General's ever. Um, what's going to happen going forward? That's the real question. Actually, it's a huge question. <laughs> what's going to happen? You know, you know who's going to be who's going to be sitting at the Department of Justice come January twentieth? I mean, those you know those those that's just not politics. That's that's as 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 criminal lawyers. You know, we know where we've been, and we know how far the department has come. And it still has a ways to go. I'm not here to say, you know, we're all white uh, white knights. But I just can't imagine how far back we'll go. Uh, particularly, I hear some of the names being floated around to sit in Robert Kennedy's office. It's offensive. But nevertheless, um, my perception is we have a failed system when it comes to cannabis regulation. We have a failed system that is considered to be a Schedule One drug. Uh, it's resulted in us uh, one, having one of the fastest-growing uh, businesses in our country, which is the building of private prisons. Um, I don't think government should outsource its responsibilities. And... Uh, the growth of businesses who, and let's face it, we talk about changes in the area of cannabis, cannabis law. Two huge players, big pharma, private prisons. If I, if I impact one-third of your business model, you're going to object to me making that change. And if, that, and if we were to legalize cannabis and let states regulate as they choose to, that's going to affect... The, court, the uh, uh, CCA and those a whole group of folks, uh, a third of their business model, they may have to shut down. Wouldn't that be terrible? So, uh, as a former U.S. attorney, um, I'm here, and the reason why I reached out to uh, Alan and Keith, I said I, I think I have somewhat not just not not Barry, but as the U.S. former U.S. attorney, I think I have something unique to bring to the fight, a skill set that I hope will help move the ball a little quicker. And I sent him an email saying, this is who I am, this is what I'm going to do. And Alan wrote back and he said, 
oh, we have people in law enforcement who want to change careers and set up cannabis farms all the time. And I went, no, 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 I'm not looking to set up anything. No, you're not, you're not, you're, 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 you missed the point here. I, what can I do to help? Pause, pause, pause. Really? <laughs> so when we were in D.C., Renee and I stopped by their office and uh, um, said, anything we can do to help? And uh, uh, Keith was kind enough to reach out and said, you know, you want to go to Aspen? What a silly question. You want to go to Aspen? Sure. So uh, so I, I, I hope that uh, my efforts now and my efforts in the future will help uh, move normal's message. Uh, I know that we've got a, uh, my sister state of Missouri, we got it on the ballot this fall about medical marijuana. And I thought, well, if they had some money to do some TV advertising, wouldn't it be interesting if the former United States attorney got up and said, the laws as they exist right now are foolish. You're harming people. Mm. Mm. I can tell you if I do that, if someone said, made reference any chance of running for the Senate in Kansas just went down the toilet. So, <laughs> so <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'll just kind of conclude on that bizarre note. Uh, are there any questions you have of me? I mean, this is your chance to yell at that federal prosecutor you always wanted to yell at because uh, he, he or she was hammering your client that you feel was unfair. Yes, sir, in the back. No, it's called a cons- what, what you described as a conspiracy. Uh, let me tell you, I'll give you a couple examples. Um, during the time I was U.S. attorney, from a policy standpoint, uh, in Kansas, we would have what my prosecutors referred to as roadkill. Roadkill is when a Kansas Highway Patrol officer pulls over uh, somebody, who, and he had probable cause to pull them over because they did have Colorado plates. Um, and, and if they had long hair, hit the lights, man. Put them, you know, and and they've and it's you know they, they pull him over and. Uh, more often he than she, but he would have 29, 30 pounds of dope in the, in the car. Oh, they'd get all excited. They'd call DEA. DEA would come out, take lots of photographs, and you know, refer it to my AUSAs, and we'd have a meeting about you know, what we're doing. Well, we got this case. Well, tell me about it. And I look at him and go, that's it? I rule of thumb in Kansas while I was there, and I think it's still because my first assistant is now the acting, and he's, he and I are very much on the same page. I said, if you pull somebody over, and it's some kid from Fort Collins who's driving to Virginia Beach, and he's got 100 pounds of dope, no methamphetamine, no criminal record, no gun, he doesn't have $25,000 in smelly cash in the front seat, I don't care. Give it to the county prosecutor. Let the, Again, resource. Let them spend their money prosecuting that person. I got a bigger fish to fry. I got... I got Guys who have images on computers of two and three and four year olds being orally and anally raped. I, w- I want those guys. That's where I want to spend my money. Yeah. So is, 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 so I, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I, again, going back to that, making that institutional change, just like chain, a big battleship. There's still those prosecutors out there who have that. And one of the things that we have done as part of the smart on crime is, it has to be approved by the U.S. attorney or his, or his designee, typically his first assistant or his criminal chief. So uh, I will kind of close with, with a, uh, or, or I'll leave it open for questions, but I'll close with a, a personal story. Ah, keep it together. 
Ah. My wife and I, as I said, we love Mendocino, California. We used to own an inn on Highway 1. Beautiful little inn. Uh, as I like to tell everybody, it was on the Kansas side of Highway 1. Um, I think we were the only people who bought property in California and lost money. So anyway, uh, so, and, and to show you how smart we were, we bought it twice. <laughs> That's how much we loved it. Lost a ton of dough, but it was great. We got great friends. Love it out there. This lovely young woman who worked for us, uh, I won't use her name. She worked for us, and, you know, we're talking, and you know, she's an attractive girl, and, and she was a Division One swimmer. And I go, well, where'd you swim? She goes, I'll swim, at, I'll swim at Kansas. I said, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. You KU? That's, that's where I went to school. That's cool. Yeah, fabulous. She goes, yeah, I just barely missed making the Olympics. And it's a wonderful, great person. Well, uh, as is, you know, as as we as we know here in, in, a, in a community like this, you know, people change jobs all the time, you know, in, in the uh, and so she went to work with someone else, and uh, um, she gets married and she has a kid, and then she and her husband get divorced, and then she starts dating a guy who was, had been married in Lawrence, Kansas, and he had grown children, so they would drive from Mendocino to Lawrence, Kansas. So one day, and every time we'd be out to Mendocino, we would see her, we said, you know, I hear you, you, you know, this guy, call Renee and I, we're 45 minutes away, we'll, we'll go, we'll, let's have dinner. So uh, Renee calls me, this is on a Wednesday, a Wednesday. she was, you never guess who's coming to dinner, or we're going we're gonna to have, who's coming to dinner next Tuesday, now, you're right, I'd never guess who. Just had a baby, and she just got married, and she and her husband—they're coming in. He's got—he's got big kids in uh, in Lawrence, and and I said, "Oh, that's 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 great." What does he do? She goes, "Well, he, uh, he's a he's a, he's a certain kind of coach." And I went, "I don't know if they have those kind of facilities in Mendocino, huh?" That's interesting. You know, if I wasn't in the business I'm in now, and they're Routinely driving back and forth across country, I would I would say they're they're bringing in drugs to California. My wife, being much smarter than I, went, "That's it, that's exactly it." And I went, "Oh bullshit, they're not doing that." That's oh, no, she wouldn't get in, she wouldn't do that. That's that's ridiculous. So they blow it off and go to dinner. Um, Saturday, being the good husband I am, I'm doing my honeydews out in the yard. And all of a sudden, the back door pops open, and my wife runs out, and I hear her saying, he can't talk to you. He can't talk to you. No, honey, he's the United States attorney. I was the only lawyer she knew in Kansas. So here's my office. Here's my office prosecuting a friend of mine. Not only her... Her husband, not only him, another guy who is the nicest man in the world, not only him, two other people who are volunteer firemen, husband and wife team, upstanding citizens in Mendocino County, were on the life-saving stuff and they go out and rescue people. We prosecuted them. And I had to pick the phone up and call the deputy attorney general and say, I have to recuse myself because I think this is complete and total BS. 
and oh no miss no and 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 to sit in my office and to hear i mean talk about personalities they only drew the toughest the meanest assistant united states attorney they could draw and she didn't like me anyway and i think that worked against my friends and almost gleefully they prosecuted these folks and 35 others on this big conspiracy it was in my and, and i could say nothing i'm out if i say anything i will get a call with an area code 202 and they'll say you need to go see the principal and by the way bring your stuff with you but my office prosecuted my friends. And that, not that it needed to be brought home in any clearer fashion than it already was, but that just crystallized it for me. That made it personal for me. And I couldn't say anything, and I could listen to the, hear the DEA agents down there giggling. Are you kidding me? So that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. It's good that the U.S. attorney from Kansas, Barry Grissom, has recognized the futility and the consequences and the tragedies uh, involved in prosecuting for mar- people for marijuana. No doubt his office handled a lot of those prosecutions. And like happens to many politicians, once it hits them personally, they seem to get wisdom on it. Like uh, Jeb Bush... Seems to be cool with immigration since he married a Mexican lady. Dick Cheney, he's cool with gay marriage now that he has a gay daughter. Amazing how some of these people change their tune when it affects them personally, isn't it? All right, stick around. Radical Rant is up next. I'm going to tell you about marijuana, the worst drug ever. And then hour two, Dr. Carl Hart. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com The cannabis business industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your Canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. 
chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show, providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make them. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Just stop it already. You there. Yes, you. You, this person who keeps insisting that adults continue to be punished for using marijuana. Nobody's buying your scaremongering anymore. The last vestiges of your 80-year propaganda campaign against humankind's most complimentary plant ring more hollow with every passing month. This latest move by the Food and Drug Administration to approve amphetamines in gummy candy form for kids. <laughs> well, that may have just driven the stake through your most effective fright. What about the children? Really? <laughs> you want to keep scaring us about the pot gummy bears sold in adults-only stores where IDs are checked, worried that we may leave them out for the unsuspecting youngsters, or, more wickedly, we may place them in their Halloween candy bags? After the FDA has approved gummy speed. (laughs) Right. For decades, for decades now, you've held marijuana up to an absurd double standard that no other drug must endure. And finally, the general public is starting to notice. For instance, you, you tell us it'd be the worst thing ever if marijuana retailers in the legal states were to advertise their products using cartoons, because that would make marijuana appealing to the children. Yet you can't make it through an hour of TV without seeing that cartoon umbrella or cartoon robe for that terribly depressed cartoon lady who needs the new depression pill to help the old depression pill she's already taking that isn't working. Or what about the cartoon innards of the cartoon man who needs a new digestion pill to counteract his lousy diet? Or the cartoon snot? Or the cartoon toenail fungus? Or or the cartoon bee? It's getting more and more difficult to find a prescription ad without cartoons or CGI. You tell us that marijuana is just too dangerous for the kids, even in the states where it's legal, 
even when those states require two doctors for a pediatric recommendation. But then the FDA goes ahead and approves the use of OxyContin for children as young as 11. Yeah, the kid with the Oxy prescription could then legally consume his medicine at school under the supervision of the school nurse. But the parents of the kid who needs medical marijuana, well, they have to go to the state house and get a bill passed to allow them to drive to school each day and administer a few drops of non-psychoactive CBD oil. You, you tell us that there just isn't enough research on the use of marijuana to know whether it's truly safe. And yet, when we go to the government's online database of scientific research, PubMed.gov, and type in marijuana, we get over 23,450 results. Adderall, you know, that drug not too dissimilar from the gummy speed I mentioned earlier, Adderall gets you 188 results. You know, that amphetamine for kids that was prescribed 1.3 million times in 1996 and is prescribed over 16 million times today. Oh, and OxyContin and its generic cousin Oxycodone, you know, the one that we're now approving for preteens, it only gets 3,124 results, but only 156 of those results have anything to do with children. So, We've got over 7,000 years of historic human use of marijuana with zero confirmed deaths by overdose and over 23,450 studies. And you want us to fear that more than the pharmaceutical meth and the pharmaceutical heroin invented in just the last century that you're willing to prescribe to kids after fewer than 200 studies. And of course, nowhere is the absurd double standard for marijuana more apparent than in comparison to how you treat alcohol and tobacco? Yes, the marijuana stores in the legal states must be a thousand feet away from anywhere the children might frequent. They must be opaque windows so the children can't see the debauchery inside. Nobody may consume marijuana inside because stoned people might get behind the wheel and drive dangerously. The alcohol, however, can be sold right in the grocery store behind a huge sports-themed cutout display. Because, you know, kids don't like sports, right? It can be advertised in every medium. And not only can there be windows to see the frivolity going on inside bars, pubs, restaurants, and taverns, but the patrons can also bring the alcohol outside on the public patio for consumption in full view of the public. And... You'll provide them unsupervised parking lots for their cars and just trust that they'll accurately determine for themselves if they're unimpaired enough to drive. And in most of the legal marijuana states, there's still a battle ongoing over pot lounges. You insist that such places shall not exist, both for the aforementioned danger of the stone drivers, but also for the newfound supposed danger of secondhand cannabis smoke. Yes, we can smoke pot. But smoke is an evil, dirty thing that you demand must be relegated to our private homes and nowhere else. And the tobacco smokers know how we feel because you've been ratcheting down their freedoms lately. But at least they're allowed to be seen in public in specially designated smoking areas. In Oregon, the Clean Air Act that outlaws indoor smoking has exceptions that allow for indoor cigar bars for smokers to gather and socialize within. 
So for every rule you've come up with to deny marijuana, it's a rule you're willing to overlook for every other drug out there that is far more dangerous to the user in society than marijuana. That's all the time we got for Hour 1. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for Hour 2 Toker Talk Radio. The complete Dr. Carl Hart presentation is coming up next. You don't want to miss this one. For everyone at Cannabis Radio here in Hotsdale, Arizona, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, Tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth.